Yeah, I think it worked. I think it started to record. Yeah. All right. Firstly, I want to say thank you for coming here and supporting my show, Regine. It really means a lot about me hmm. and for everyone who's going to listen to this. But let's jump right in, okay? Yeah, thanks so much, Nikwa. Um, really nice to meet you online. I uh, hope to meet in person in the future. And yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. Hope to share some things that might be helpful to you or to other people as well. I'm sure you will share something helpful. Every guest does. But let me ask you, what is your story? I think, um, well, maybe just a short introduction of myself. Um, my name is Regine. I'm currently 21 years old this year. And I'm, I'm currently a business analyst in McKinsey & Company. Uh, I just started not too long ago, actually just yesterday, <laughs> where I had my first day. And I'm also running a startup. Um, it's called Alexia, and it focuses a bit more on... Um, traditional IT operations and how can we revolutionize that. So instead of that, I was just, you know, previously just graduated from university. Uh, I was from, I'm actually from Singapore. Yeah, so um, from Nanyang Technological University in Singapore where I studied business. So Singapore as a whole is a pretty small country. Uh, it's not many people here, about 6.2 million people, uh, not even consisting of, I mean, that consists of the whole population. And if you're looking at just Singaporeans alone who are born here and raised here, it will be probably about three, about 3 million people. Yeah, so it's a small country. And I, I was raised here, born and raised here for over 20 years. And it's been a great journey so far. But I think being in Singapore, there's a lot of... Um, I mean, personally, Nicola, do you know about Singapore before you, you met me? Well, well, I've heard about, you know, that YouTuber, Gianna Hao Tan. I mean, he's an entrepreneur as well. Yeah. That's how I found about uh, Singapore. But, I mean, it's, it's not big country, but it's definitely country to it. Like, it really has opportunities. I mean, you live there, I can't know better than you. But, I mean, I see the results. And, I mean, your economy is good. Mm. The life expectancy is good. Yeah, so I think um, being a Singaporean, it's very interesting because this country is a country that personally for me, I feel is very meritocratic um, where basically people who, I feel if they work hard for something, with despite whatever socioeconomic backgrounds they might come from or, you know, whatever situations or background they, their family might have faced, I feel that in Singapore, there's always an opportunity to step out of that social um, status, uh, social economic status, meaning you could really see someone, you know, go from levels of, um, you know, almost poverty to, you know, something that is very comfortable and, and doing really well in a career. So I feel that Singapore is a country that really enables that. And that's why I'm thankful to be here as well. And yeah, so my story is very much linked to being a uh, Singaporean. Yep. And yeah, so, um, my story, yeah, so um, when, when you mention my story, what do you want to understand in particular? How did you become a business analyst and mm. how did you found Elixir? I mean, that's how you pronounce it, right? Yeah, Elixir. Your, your company. Yeah. So, Nicola, are you, in the, are you also interested in startups or working with startups? Yep. More interested in investing as well, but... Not the age, not the money right now, yet. 
So I think um, my story started officially and when I started on this track to becoming an entrepreneur and a, as well as a business analyst, it started when I was 17, where I first, I got my first official internship or you can call it apprenticeship in a startup and I found my biggest life mentor there as well. The startup name is called OMG Consulting. So it doesn't exist today. It's closed. I think it has closed down or at least they're not you know, fully operational now. And as you know, many startups, they don't actually succeed or they don't actually manage to survive um, <coughs> for, a long, for a long time. And for OMG Consulting, it was very small when I joined. There's three people big, uh, including myself. And I was still a student then in high school. And basically, we had to do everything. So you're just thrown into the deep end, as with many people who join a startup as an employee. Um, you had to do everything from, you know, finances to legal work to you know, business development, and so on and so forth. And because um, in Singapore, I'm not sure if you know about the context, but Singapore actually has a tertiary education system where they have junior colleges. And basically all we do there is we, we do a lot of very academic work. We don't really step out to you know, do any internships back then. So it was something that is not so common uh, for someone from a JC to do actually. And I think that really changed a lot of things because um, if you ever get a chance, I feel like people should really try working in a startup, not just, I think they should work in a startup before starting their own company, simply because working in a startup will give you insight into how, what kind of work and how, how, um, how much effort you actually need to succeed and to actually get clients, um, to get investors, um, and to, to build the company. And it's never easy. But being in a startup, I feel it's a very empowering experience because even as a you know, 14 years old or 17 years old or, or whatever your age, they, being a startup, the boss has to trust the people that they get because it's not easy to hire someone into the startup. And you often get jobs that is meant for people who are you know, above 20 years old or above 30 years old. But you're doing it you know, when you're just in your teens right and i felt that that was very empowering and that's why i got really interested working in startups um, working in technology and you know i started to build on from that experience so let's jump back a bit into your childhood mm. do you have that business thing going in your head since childhood you know i had a really interesting conversation with another friend of mine he is a full-on entrepreneur, meaning he, after he graduates, uh, he's just going to do entrepreneurship full-time. And in Singapore, that's something that's not common. Because if you look at most Singaporean students, when they graduate, they're looking for the highest paying jobs in investment banking, management consultancies, um, tech companies, you know, that pay um, you know, a good salary. And not many people actually have that leap of faith to do their own startup. So basically the two of us were talking about our childhoods and I think how you, the first job that you do or maybe the first kind of, the experiences that you have during childhood really shapes your risk appetite and also what you want to do in the future. So for him and me, I think the common thing was that we both had a tough childhood um, coming from you know, disadvantaged family, mm-hmm. uh, disadvantaged um, social, economic and financial backgrounds. Um, but the thing that's different between him and myself was that 
his first job that he actually did by himself, he was selling, um, I think he was do, doing door-to-door sales. So I think he was selling some uh, products or something. My first job that I did was actually working for someone. I worked as a waitress uh, and you know, some of the typical odd jobs that you find. I worked as a mascot as well. I work, I've done many different um, part-time and odd jobs and I felt that that was a very defining difference because for him, he started his own initiative to do his own business. So all the money goes to him. Whereas I'm working for someone and that's where I think if you're working for someone when you're young, you tend to have a lower risk appetite you tend to be a bit more comfortable because you're not the one who's managing this business or you're not the one who's reaping all of the benefits, all of the costs. And that's why I'm, very, I'm still someone who is fairly comfortable in my, com- in my comfort zone today. Even though I have my own startup, I'm still working for another company. Of course, I'm very happy to be there as well. But that's something I thought was a very defining difference when it comes to how people's childhoods actually and their experiences then actually shapes what they do in the future. Yeah, so I just wanted to share about that as well. Because uh, I thought it might be interesting. Um, yeah, at this point, it was very interesting. Like how something that you do in your childhood, just like 10 or, 10 or 20 years back, could really have an impact on the way you see yourself and your place in society. Actually, it's pretty interesting, by the way. Mm. So, where, uh, did that, you know... Startup nerve came into you while you were in in university, high school, or when you already had the job of business analyst. analyst. Yeah, so um, I was always interested in the startup, startup industry. I just didn't know if I wanted to start my own company or wanted to help someone with this as an employee or working in a startup itself. And I was always working in different roles that were related to that. So I think when I first got my idea to do my own startup or the initiative to do my own startup was way back when I was in, as I said, when I was in 17, when I was 17 years old, I did my first internship in a startup. Um, not something was, there was an odd job or a part-time job. And that was when I wanted to do it. But if you look at the time lapse from then 17 years old to about 20, where I actually started my own company, that's three to four years. And that's a lot of time. And I think that speaks a lot because as someone who is way too comfortable working for someone, you often want to take that leap of faith or that risk to start your own company because you could easily work for someone. You get money pay, you get your own, you know, you just have to do your day-to-day job and you're not at risk of facing you know, problems from investors or customers and you don't have that, so much stress. So that's why for me, it took a long time for me to really assess if I wanted to do my own company, what's the landscape like in Singapore and in the Southeast Asian countries. And when I felt like I was ready to do my own thing, that was already you know, three or four years has really flown by. And yeah, um, then I started to, and I, because I was always working in IT, so I noticed a lot of problems, which I'm currently trying to solve with my startup uh, and with my co-founder as well. So that's when I, that's the whole journey of when I actually wanted to and I think it'd be very different if it was someone like maybe you yourself or like my friend who, you know, from young they've already been doing their own companies. They could be serial entrepreneurs as well. They start up um, and maybe it doesn't work out too well. Then they start another one and, and another one. And I think everybody has their own path. Um, it really depends on, you know, their experiences and their risk appetite. 
So let's let's uh, talk about your experience in the high school. Mm. What kind of a student were you? <clears throat> so, Nicola, what kind of student are you? Firstly, uh, can you repeat that, please? Um, what kind of student are you now in your school? Well, a bit over average, but not excellent student because I study things that I'm only interested in. Mm. I think we are similar in the aspect where I also do study things and pay a bit more attention when I'm interested in something. And if you're talking about high school, I was often, and even for university, this carried on to my university or for you, it will be called college. Um, I was often not so active in school. I mean, I held many leadership positions and I, I have quite a few friends, good friends there. But I wasn't so active in school because I was more interested in learning more about what's outside uh, of school. Especially in Singapore, where school you know, is very academic. Um, they, we do a lot of tests here in Singapore. Uh, and it's also a pretty, fairly stressful environment, I would say, uh, where it's very results-based. I felt that I wasn't learning about you know, myself and also about the society uh, being in school. So that's why I did a lot of different jobs outside of school. I did very funny things like um, you know, graphic design for a yacht a yacht company where they sell yachts. Um, I also did a bit of you know buying and selling of uh, spare parts, equipments. So I wasn't. I was often not active in school to put it short, and I wasn't a great student. But I wasn't a bad student as well. I was just a. I was just an average student when it comes to results or when it comes to my personality and attitude. So how can how can we do like that? You work at a startup but again work at somewhere somewhere else how can we balance that life how do you balance it yeah i think that's a that's a good question because um I think if someone were to ask me about what's my key strength i would say my time management skills because i'm able to do multiple things or multiple of manage multiple interests at once so for example um I was, just to give you a context uh, of how I made my time once, um, the best example would be, I was in college, full-time student, but I was giving tu tuition to 20 students, one-on-one -on -one tuition, about 20 students, and I was also having a side internship as well at the same time, and also, you know, managing my social life and my family life and everything like that. So I felt that time management is like, is, is really for you, what is your priority? You need to define what you want. A lot of people, they, are, they don't understand um, their priorities and they, are, they want to get everything, but you know like something has to give. Whether it's like sleep, or whether it's your grades, or whether it's your social life, or whether it's something else, right? And for me, I give I mean, I wasn't so focused on my grades. I wasn't so focused on my studies. Sleep is important to me. I always have more than six hours of sleep. Yeah, so I gave up. I mean, I didn't really focus so much on my studies. Uh, I, I'm still doing fairly, pretty good. I would say better than average. But for example, um, because you're not in college yet, um, but there's different classes or the different um, bands when it comes to college. So there's first class honors, and there's second uppers, second lowers, and so on and so forth. A lot of people want to get into the top of the list, like the first class, or you want to be like the top student in the whole school. 
but that's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of time. And I know I wasn't going to be there anyway, no matter how hard I studied. So I felt like there's no point studying so hard when I can never be the best student. So what can I be the best in? I can be the best in many different things. Like being the best in IT or being the best in you know, design or being the best uh, in terms of making money or something like that, right? So I, I just don't really care so much for my studies. That saved me a lot of time. Uh, just fly through school and yeah, and just focus on other stuff. So that's how I, I manage my time during both my JC and my university times. So basically to get a better time management, we have to like uh, get our priorities, what we want to do. Yeah, what do you want? Or maybe what you want to be the best in? If, if you want to be the best in something, you need to think, what do I want to be the best in? I feel like that's, that's important. So, as I was scrolling in your profile, I found that you like game design. Can you explain us more about that interest? Yeah, so gaming has always been a very huge um, interest of mine. Uh, I, like, I love playing games because everybody has their own outlet and everybody has their own kind of you know, ways to relieve their own stress when they're not happy with whatever's happening in life or they're just like you know, studying too much and it's, it's so boring sometimes. So for me, I love playing video games uh, on my laptop. Not, not so much of mobile games, but video games, especially um, MMORPGs uh, and role-playing games mainly. Especially, and I played so many different games and I felt like when I, when I was playing them, I felt like it was so beautiful that they could actually make something in 3D and make it really real-time, 3D, very responsive, very interactive. And it's very social as well because you get to chat with other members. And that was something that I felt I wanted to create, recreate that kind of experience in other contexts as well. And I mean, Nicola, I believe you also play some games yourself, right? And for me, I feel that it's such a fun experience. And, you know, life, has, life is always fun. And playing games online is also very fun. So, you know, uh, I, I, wanted, I wanted to learn how exactly to recreate this magic. And that's why I took up some different courses in game design. I took up some different like, languages that he used to, programming languages that he used to create games. And I wanted to find out a bit more about how can I do this myself. Or maybe even if not creating games, creating that sort of 3D interactive experience in other contexts. And that's why I started my company Elixir as well. It's, this one of our solutions that's actually a 3D intelligent um, interface for IT use cases so how can you help my listeners mm. for their business or agency mm. for me okay for me right i feel like many different people have their own perspective of how how to um help your i mean how to build their own business for me i always feel it's important obviously relationships but also the network that you get access to. And I think it's important to join communities or companies as well, companies that may not be your own, that might give you that sort of immediate feel in terms of your network. I see a lot of, so on LinkedIn, I see a lot of people approaching me with their, you know, they tell me, okay, they have this like, you know, business, am I interested in it? And because I don't know them personally, 
right? So I won't, sometimes I don't respond to them or maybe I'll just say like, thank you, um, you know, I'll let you know. But I mean, really, sometimes I can't really remember what they are actually selling as well. I feel that if you want to build your business at scale, it's important to get that skill that instead of approaching one by one, every single person, you should be approaching communities or companies or people who can give you access to over hundreds or like thousands of people that would buy your product or your solution. And that's, that's the reason why I joined many different communities um, and companies that actually gave me that sort of advantage. And if I was to put it a bit bluntly here, um, companies like McKinsey and company, companies like Google, uh, Daimler, and so on and so forth, you have a very big community of people who would support you when you do your own business. Um, in many different ways, it could be funding, it could be as a customer, it could be also advice. And I think it's important not to be so focused on, you know, I want to do my own business now, but also planning the strategic steps to take towards making your own business work and getting that kind of skill. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if like, it makes sense, you know. So what kind of a problem are you facing right now with your startup? Yeah, so for my startup, um, I'm doing it together with my full-time job. So my full-time job is as a business analyst. And definitely, I haven't really started in my role yet, but um, I, I foresee that it might be challenging um, juggling both of this. Of course, I'm going to focus more on my full-time job since it's a, it's a precious opportunity that's given to me by a great company. And I'll let mainly my co-founder be running the startup, but I think yeah, there's some issues of... Uh, you know, how do you, how do you want to prioritize your time and how much time are you willing to give to the startup? So, this is a huge struggle. I think more of, instead, I mean, not, not so much about getting customers or getting investors, but more of the time I can commit and how long will I remain in my role before I actually do my startup full-time. So, that's the, that's the biggest concern for now. But other than that, I think... Um, that's, that's the biggest concern for now. Um, there was some kind of a problem, I believe. Yeah, it was a small problem. Is it, is right, it a so, so uh, can you continue talking about what you, what you started? Because it sounded interesting. Oh, yeah. What, what are the problems that I face in my startup? Yep. Okay, so um, as I was saying, uh, I'm currently working full-time as a business analyst in McKinsey & Company. And this is a very precious opportunity that I really work very hard to get it. And also, <clears throat> um, really appreciate it. And I, I, want, I want to focus full-time on that, meaning from Mondays to Fridays. But then I have my Saturdays and Sundays, where hopefully if there's no work coming in, that will be the time where I dedicate to my startup. But I think something that I've done um, is that I, I actually have a few co-founders and people in my team that I can rely on to actually help me run the startup even when I don't have the time to. And I think that's very important because having a team to support you during your downtimes or during the times that you can't work on it, um, I think that will really help. So my biggest struggle now will be the time I can dedicate to my startup, not so much of when it comes to customers or investors, actually. Huh. That's, that sounds kind of interesting, by the way. Interesting problem. I, I've interviewed a couple of people and they never like thought such thing. 
which makes yeah. it really new and interesting. <laughs> yes, so, because I think most people, uh, most people, right, they are so brave and so courageous. They do their startups full-time. And that's something that I really have to take my hats off to them because they do it full-time. They don't do anything else. But for me, I have a full-time job and the startup is more of a, I mean, I would say part-time, but I would say I'm doing it whenever I'm free. And that's because I'm not someone who takes like the risk to lose a full-time job. You know, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Because that's the income stream as well. And because I'm learning something for my full-time job as well. Um, that's why I have a problem when it comes to the time I can dedicate to my startup. So I think this would be a different scenario. Not so many people might face it, but if you face it, then I think my comments might be quite helpful. <coughs> so do you plan taking your startup to full-time? You know, quitting your job and just focusing on startup? Yes, I do uh, in the future. But not now. I, I'm not, not in the next few months or maybe like years not i mean not like five years or something but not in the next one year at least because i'm still young uh my my startup is uh, maybe for context also my startup is a b2b startup meaning i work with businesses i don't work with customers or the mass market like you know you and myself and you know my mom or something right i work with businesses so i feel like working in this role that i have as a business analyst will give me that sort of insight into how is it like to work with senior executives, with management, with businesses, and gain that kind of maturity that's needed, and gain that kind of credibility that's needed as well. And that's why I feel that it's very important for me to remain in my current role and not move out of it until I get, until I see that I'm able to actually replicate that sort of maturity, that sort of quality and level uh, in my own company. So, Short answer is that no, I don't see myself quitting quitting anytime soon. Um, not at least not within the one next one year. As we were talking about years and lifespan, um, can you give us a picture, some kind of a picture on what, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, in the next five years, um, I would see myself as a leader in IT. So it's quite big because I feel like it's good to keep things big sometimes. Um, simply because, you know, you it's good to have a general direction, but also not to limit yourself to a one particular goal. So being a leader in IT to me means that either being a leader um, in my startup as a CEO and really growing it to a very big scale and a kind of size and a kind of, you know, team that I actually want. Or it could also mean that I jump out of my role uh, in my current company and I work in a big IT company. So it could be something like, you know, HP, Google, Amazon, Facebook as an IT leader. In a, so when I say leader, it probably means something like a man managerial position or where I have a team that's working on it together with me. Okay, okay. Uh, firstly, I want to say again, thank you because that's some interesting content you're putting right here. And second, my last question is, and we're going to wrap up that interview. Mm, okay. Actually, two, question, two questions. How can my listeners contact you? Okay, sure. So I'm, I'm actually very happy to you know, offer advice to people um, on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn is the best channel, actually. I, I have so many great comments about LinkedIn. I've 
and it's just the best channel, honestly. Um, so you could contact me on LinkedIn. My name is Regine C R Y. So just to repeat, Regine R E G I N E space C R Y. That would be a great way to contact me uh, if you need any help or advice when it comes to you know working a full time role and juggling your startup at the same time, or maybe just juggling your startup, or maybe if you want to come to Singapore and you want to do your own business here, I am very happy to help as well. So that would be one one of the best ways actually to reach me. Okay, and my last question is, what would you suggest for the people who are just, you know, figuring out what they're going to do with life? What would you suggest for them? What are you going to advise them? I would say, and very boldly, do not start your own company first. Work in some companies. It could be a big one. It could, it could be a big MNC. It could be a small startup. But you should work first uh, and really understand how businesses work before doing your own thing. Because when you get, when you're working in someone's company, you're actually learning things that you wouldn't get to learn in school. And that is real experience that is worth a lot of money. That sometimes you, you learn from their mistakes, you learn from their failures, you learn from you know, their successes and everything. And that is very precious experience that I feel really helped a lot of successful people today uh, you know, found, find their own company, to find their own path. So yes, my short answer is that um, yeah, work in some companies could, of your interest and find, what, find out what exactly do you want to do from there. Value bomb dropped right here. So, Regine, thank you for that interview. I hope you're going to stand there because you're a future mastermind. Now, <laughs> we really like to see the progress you're going to make in the next five years. And thank yeah, you. I'll see you soon. Thank you for your time. And, yeah, always and I think I think you're so amazing that you're doing this when you're just, you know, like 13 or 14. It's just so amazing for me. And I really wish I had your courage when I was your age. Well, things are already done. I have to move to the future and hustle even more harder. Yeah. Okay. Okay. See so, you soon. Yeah, see you. Bye.